Welcome to the next episode of Ball Court. My name is Coach Drew. This is the world of basketball. And if you have been watching, it has been amazing right here on Ball Court. Yes, this is another episode of Ball Court. My name is Coach Drew. This is the world of basketball. And let me tell you, are we watching the reincarnation of Kobe Bryant himself? Devin Booker has had the, the complete basketball scene on notice. Let me go ahead and break it down. He has been absolutely phenomenal during the playoffs. And the reason why I'm highlighting Devin Booker, not the Phoenix Suns, and don't, I'm not taking anything away from the Phoenix Suns. Great coach group. Uh, it's, it, it's, a, it's a great core unit that they have. They play the right way. Uh, Chris Paul is pretty much one of the, he's the point guard. He's not even a point guard. He's the point guard. People should be looking at him and say, how, how do I become a point guard? Do what Chris Paul is doing. And, and this, this young kid, Devin Booker, let me go ahead and speak a little bit about Devin Booker's past, just in case you don't know. Devin Booker was one of those few athletes that were selected by Kobe during the time that he was training and was coming up. And he was like right there on Kobe's heels. I'm talking everything Kobe wanted him to do, Devin Booker was out there doing. When he came out of Kentucky, he was like a sponge. And he was willing to soak up everything Kobe was willing to give to him. Now, with Kobe's passing, Devin Booker, of course, you know, one, we all were hurt about it, but he was one of the key people that was really torn up about this passing. So he dedicated the rest of the time. His, he dedicated everything to Kobe at that point in time. And he started to live the mob of mentality. Now, we all remember Devin Booker in the uh, bubble laying down on that shot, doing everything that was great. They looked like the most exciting team to watch. They just could not make the playoffs. This year was a completely different year. That was a completely different Devin Booker that we're playing against. When we take a look at the the stats from uh, the overall stats that were from the um, playoffs, first let's take a look at how he played against the Lakers. My Lakers, and let me tell you, he hurt. Watching him play literally hurt. On May 30th, he played against the Lakers, dropping 17 points, but he had seven rebounds and five assists. Yes, not not phenomenal, but definitely, you know, you you're saying that right, he's making some kind of stank going. But then, right after that, he comes back and drops a 30-point game with five assists. And then a 47-point game with three assists and 11 rebounds. He's a guard, mind you. And he didn't stop there. Moving on to the next round, he played against Denver. And those, four, and those games against Denver, he went absolutely ballistic. His lowest scoring game was 18 points, but he had 10 rebounds and, and two assists. These are game stats that you're expecting from a big. But no, this is Devin Booker. The book is putting the world on notice. I'm talking, he boasted a 34-point game, a 28-point game, a 21-point game. And this was all against Denver. Now, Denver was known actually going into the playoffs as one of the key um, defensive teams. So you thought to yourself, okay, you got a team built on defense that could shut down Devin Booker. But it didn't stop. The Mamba mentality started seeping through. And guess what? The Clippers found out that the Mamba mentality is real. Being in L.A., they thought to themselves that, okay, after Kobe's passing, that Mamba mentality is no longer there. But it is still there, and it is literally 
right on the neck of the Clippers. And I, I know how they must have felt because they, they were going through this year in and year out, you know, saying while Kobe was in the building. Now they get to see his spirit come alive again in that building. Let me tell you, in game one, Devin Booker dropped 40 points, 13 rebounds, and 11 assists. A triple-double in a playoff game of that caliber. He dropped a triple-double. Now, mind you, game one, they did not have Chris Paul. They did not have Chris Paul with him, and he played phenomenal. Game two came in. And yes, you know what I'm saying? He had 20, there was 20 points, four rebounds, five assists. It wasn't his best shooting game. You know, they shooting five of 16. It wasn't a good shooting game, but he still was very effective. And they were able to pull out a clutch win with the alley-oop to DeAndre Ayton. You know, from Jay Crowder. Good luck, Jay. Actually, I don't know if that was a great look by Jay or a poor defense by DeMarcus Cousins because as a big man that guarded the inbound passer, you should have been cut off the angle to the basket just to take away that good look for that pass. But still, Jay Crowder, I'm glad you got that pass in. DeAndre Ayton, I'm glad you got that dunk. Now, with that said, even though the Clippers won game three, D-Book dropped 15 points on a horrible shooting night, going 5 of 21, having five rebounds and five assists. Yes, they took the loss. CP3 just came back. They took the loss. It was okay. But 25 points later, last night, Devin Book showed up again, and now the series is 3-1. Think about this. The series is now 3-1. The Clippers is on the verge of losing to the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns have absolutely ran through the Western Conference. Every team that you said could be the team, even my Los Angeles Lakers, Devin Booker has came out and said, that is not the team. I am the team. Chris Paul and I is the team. DeAndre Ayton and I is the team. Good job, Chris Paul. And, of course, I got to give a shout-out to Monty Williams. One of the greatest coaches and most underrated coaches of their time. Everything that he's been doing has been on the up and up. Monty Williams making the right call to DeAndre Higgins for that game-winning dunk. It was, I'm just telling you, that whole organization, I am happy with what I've seen. This is the first time that they might be, you know what I'm saying, getting that ring, and I'm, I'm rooting for them right now. So, I know my Lakers are out, but guess what? I'm throwing on my son's jersey. I'm throwing on my son's hat, and I'm rooting all the way for CP3. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm telling you right now, the Suns is going to take this. They're going to win the championship, and in the championship series, they're going to win in six, regardless of who they play. That's just, my, that's just my prediction. All right, so let me go ahead and move on. Let me go ahead and move on to another gentleman who's actually – been doing the same big things. Yes. On the East Coast, there is a, a, a Devin Booker lookalike playing on the East Coast. I, I, not a lookalike, but he is just the, got that same killer mentality, that same killer instinct. His name is Trey Young. I know that y'all have heard about him. They call, he goes by the name of Ice Trey. And if you haven't heard about him, he's a cold, cold man. I'm going to tell you, he's another person who's been overperforming during these playoffs. And his team has been reaping the benefits of it. When you sit back and you watch, hold on, I'm going to just talk about the first series with the New York Knicks. When you watched him play against the Knicks, you sat there and you thought to yourself, okay, this kid could be pretty good. You know, he's doing some big things on that stage, hitting some big shots, even hitting a clutch shot and taking a bow to go ahead and end the series. 
And in that game, you know, he dropped 36 points, uh, four rebounds, nine assists. So I would take a bow, too. That was quite a performance, especially on Broadway. Go ahead and take your curtain call, if you will. All right. But Trey, we sit here and we still wonder, what is the next level for Trey Young? Is there a next level? Are we watching a younger version of Steph Curry 2.0 in action? Is he going to be the future of the league alongside Devin Booker? Are we getting the reincarnation of some of our greatest players happening right now? Let me let you decide. Take a look at these numbers, these gaudy numbers that he put up against the Philadelphia 76ers, which, man, let me tell you, that, that series was a great series to watch. We're going to talk about what happened with Ben Simmons a little bit later, but that series was an absolute great series to watch. And against the 76ers, he was phenomenal. As a matter of fact, I'm seeing, when I take a look at these stats, and am I right? Yes. Not one game that he played against them was under 20. He had a 21-point game in game two, uh, and that was his lowest scoring game. Everything else, we're talking about 35, 28, uh, 25, 39, 34 against the 76ers. Now, if you're not familiar with how great the 76ers play on defense, mind you, Seth Curry is on this. Seth Curry was the same person earlier this year who locked up his brother Steph Curry when they played against him. So he is a formidable defensive player. And then you're going to go ahead and add Joel Embiid, who's also a rim protector at the high, on the highest level. This was a tough team for them to play. And Trey Young was boasting double-doubles against him. As a matter of fact, he had four different double-doubles against him in assists. So he's, he's, he's giving up the ball, moving the ball around. He's keeping things moving. And every coach is watching this and saying, hey, what is the future of our league look like? How is Trey Young, how is Devin Booker going to show us what we need to see? See, Trey Young, you can see he's cold. He's, he's, he, he has that shot that's that's reminiscent of Steph Curry, where it's a quick shot. It's coming up quick. The handles and his court vision and his and his IQ of the game puts him on an elite level. He's doing something nobody has done before. And that's the thing that got everybody's attention. That's what got our eyes open right now. He promised that it was on his rookie year when he came in that he will do something. That That's how he's going to measure how great he would be is if he could do something that somebody else has never done before, and he's doing it now. And that is a measure of his greatness, that he saw it and he's doing it. Now, I can't say that we can compare him to Devin Booker and be like, man, this is going to be a great a great matchup in a couple of years, or even this year. This could be a great matchup. But hands down, right now, Trey Young, as great as he is, you're not on D-Book's level. D-Book is, he's played phenomenal. Think about it. He's a study at the altar of Kobe Bryant. And now he's sitting taking classes from the great CP3. How do you think his, his uh, level is going to be compared to Trey Young? Now, that's something that we definitely want to discuss. So, if you are listening, go ahead and hit me in the comment section at CWN Sports. Or you can even hit me right at, at DrewCoach43 on Instagram. Tell me, who do you think is going to be the next future? Is it going to be D-Book or is it going to be Ice Trey? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's a hard decision. I'm leaning to D-Book, though. Stick with me. Right here on Ball Court, we got some more basketball coming up for you right here in the world of basketball. I'm Coach Drew. Stop, won't stop, won't stop, won't stop.
Caruso. Yes, Alex Caruso, AC Fresh, the high flyer from the Los Angeles Lakers, has been caught flying high. Actually, Alex Caruso was detained and arrested in Texas for marijuana possession. What took place was he was going through an airport and he had a grinder that had some uh, residue left over from, uh, what would I say, a great weekend. Obviously, his offseason is going very well. So he had uh, some residue in that uh, grinder and he was detained for it. Now, it to me, I find it kind of comical about the whole situation, being for the fact that he plays for the Los Angeles Lakers, where in Los Angeles marijuana is actually very much legal. And he would have been caught with that grinder and would have to dispose of the grinder in the Los Angeles airport. And they do have facilities where they'd be able to dispose of the grinder and any other uh, products like that. But being for the fact that he was in Texas, you know, visiting family, enjoying his off season, obviously not everything in Texas is going to go ahead or everything from L.A. is going to translate over to Texas, as he clearly found out. Now, um, upon, me, upon this story being done, there wasn't no, uh, we didn't get word of what L.A. was going to be doing as far as any repercussion towards it. I do believe that it is his offseason. At worst, the NBA can just give him a fine because it's not like he's going to, you know, be kicked out of the league or anything. Hell, Boogie Cousins is still in the league. I'm not snitching. I'm just saying, you know, but neither him of it. So I would have to say, shout out to you, Alex Caruso. Thank you for making the show in a possibly funny way. You know, um, Hopefully coming back, you know, him and Bron, he won't, like, LeBron probably might not going to have him around Bronny after what happened with Bronny earlier last year getting caught, you know, smoking the blood on his live. So, you know, there you go, Alex Caruso. Look like you ain't going to Thanksgiving dinner over to James Holmes. So let's go ahead and move on. Now we're going to go ahead and take a closer look, a coach's look, at certain things that have been taking place in the basketball world. First and foremost, we want to go ahead and talk about Ben Simmons. Can Philly fans trust Ben Simmons and trust his process any further? Now, in my opinion, from what I've actually seen, no, it, it can no longer happen. The, um, the relationship between Philadelphia and Ben Simmons has been strained. And it's been strained beyond belief. As a matter of fact, on my next, on the next episode of Ball Court, I'm going to have a huge Philly fan, as the person that you know and love. Malik will be on with me, Malik's fan. I'm going to bring him on. We're going to talk about the whole thing that's taking place with Ben Simmons and the process. But in my opinion, and I want this to go on record, so this way when he comes in and I play him back the, and I play him back the soundbite, I want him to hear exactly what I'm saying. All right? Philadelphia has trusted this process for so long. They they got rid of Markel Fultz because they said that Markel Fultz's shot was broken and there's no way they could fix it. They held on to Ben Simmons and made excuses for Ben Simmons, you know, even because 
It's been a while that we've been wanting him to have a jump shot. As a matter of fact, in an interview in 2018, Kobe Bryant, yes, the great Kobe Bryant, has stated that he he that uh, Ben Simmons is going to regret not having a jump shot in his career. Think about this. Look how important he has been. But also, look how guarded he has been. When he was at LSU, we weren't getting the chance to see Ben Simmons in his, in his entirety. Due to injury, they said that he was sitting. And then right after that, he got into the league. He got into the league and set his rookie year, so we didn't get a chance to see him. When we did see him, he didn't have a jump shot. They told us it would be better. As a matter of fact, I did a show on it that his jump shot was getting better. At the beginning of the season, he hit threes. He is doing a lot of great things. But what happened? Let me go ahead and break down what happened in that Atlanta Hawks series that the reason why Philly can no longer trust Ben Simmons, outside of the fact that he shot 34% from the free throw range, 34%. That's Shaq numbers. That's Shaq numbers. Anyway, outside of that, he, he got small. In the, when the big lights came on, Ben Simmons shrunk. He shrunk down in those big lights. He tried to hide away from him. He shied away from him. I saw on one play, he had a wide-open dunk at a 6'10". With his 6'10 frame, he caught that pass. He was ahead of two players, passed it off. And then when his teammate was fouled, he turned to argue with the ref about, the, about that call that was made or the missed call that was made. That, to me, spoke volumes. That one incident right there spoke volumes because I said to myself, as a Philly fan, I can no longer trust you. You're willing to talk and argue with the ref, but you're not willing to play hard enough to throw down a dunk on two people smaller than you. You're not tough enough to go ahead and take the shots that we need. You're not, you're, you're, you don't have that competitive edge. You are not a Philadelphia player. You have to understand the legend of Philly. Philly has some of the toughest players. Allen Iverson, Andre Iguodala. They had some of the Dr. J. These are some of the toughest players. These are some of the street ball legends. These are the people that you could take to any park in Philly and they would represent the, the city and the town to their fullest. I feel like that about Joel Embiid. I think you take Joel Embiid to any park, Philly, New York, anywhere, he's going to come out, hop out of the truck at Rutgers looking like KD at Rutgers way back in the day. He's going to do that. I feel that about Joel Embiid when I see him, when I see him play, when I see him go at it. I see him give everything to the process. I'm not seeing that from Ben Simmons. I feel that Ben Simmons, there's been a lot of people, he has a lot of gas men in his corner. There's too many people babying him and telling him that it's going to be okay. But you, you have to think about it. You're in a league filled with young men trying to make it to the top, trying to be the best, trying to be the next Kobe Bryant. And you have everything in your corner. You're a big man who can handle the ball. You can pass the ball well. You have great court vision. And all you have to do is work on a jump shot. Now, a lot of people who don't watch basketball, who don't listen to basketball, sit and think to themselves, you know what? That's probably difficult to get a jump shot this late in the game. But Dwight Howard improved his jump shot. Look how many big men have changed their games around and started spreading the floor. But Ben Simmons, he sits there complacent. As a Philadelphia, as a Philadelphia fan, there's no way 
they can watch somebody be complacent. So I'm telling you, Ben Simmons will not be suiting up in Philadelphia. And the worst part about it is Doc Rivers is taking the brunt of all of this and is saying that Doc Rivers cannot complete a game seven. I wanted them to win just to save Doc Rivers, just so just so he wouldn't be the losingest coach in game sevens, which he is. But I think it's because in game sevens, a lot of the time, Doc Rivers puts it on his players to pull through. And sometimes you have a Paul George moment, and other times you have a Ben Simmons moment. So it's not all on it's not all on uh not all on Doc Rivers. But when we take a look over, let's take a look at just playoff Ben. And this is why I feel like there's nowhere else for him to go. Playoff Ben, during the regular season, he averages 14.3 points a game. He gets into the playoffs. Now, first of all, 14.3 points a game. How are you the star, second star on that team and only averaging 14.3 points a game, 6.9 assists, and seven rebounds? As a 6'10", and you are the star bringing up the ball. That's where our first issue is. He shoots at a 55% clip. That's, that's horrible. That is horrible for a person who does not shoot three-pointers, you know? But when we take a look at his playoffs, how he played in the playoffs against Washington, going uh, his best game, a triple-double, by the way, best game, 19 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists. Now, that was a very good game. But when you take a look at the game before that, going 14, 14 and 13 points, you know, when you take a look at some of the games after against Atlanta, game two against Atlanta, going, having four points, literally, he was two for three. So it wasn't, he wasn't shooting at a bad percentage. He just wasn't shooting the ball. Two of two for three. Uh, he had three rebounds and seven assists. Even in the first game against Atlanta where he played great, he had a perfect game shooting seven for seven. Having 17 points and 10 assists it was a great game. But think about it. He only shot seven times. This is your star, and he's only shooting seven times. As a matter of fact, against, against Atlanta, he's, he only shot the ball. The most he shot the ball was 11 times. It was the most he shot the ball in one, in one single game. You could never, you could never ask KD or LeBron or Steph Curry, or Klay Thompson, or even, even a, uh, uh, what's it called? You, I'm, I'm not even talking about major shooters here. You know what I'm saying? We could, we could even, you could even look at, you could even look at uh, Chris Middleton. He's shooting the ball more than 11 times. But you're supposed to be a star in the East. Now, it's not the talent in which people are looking down on, is the will. It's the will to play the game, the will to elevate your game. And it's not being shown by Ben Simmons. So unfortunately, I think Ben Simmons' time in Philadelphia is running short. But what value are they going to be able to get for him? That seems to be the question. And we're going to go ahead and keep on watching that just to make sure that we bring it to you and make sure that somebody is getting a true value. Because Ben Simmons could go somewhere we don't know. He could go somewhere where they hold him accountable, they push him hard, working hard, and he has a whole second career 
and he has a great showing moving forward. Or he could go somewhere and just fade away and we'll never hear about the process again. All right. So I want to go ahead and jump on to my next topic. We're going to talk about WNBA. All right. WNBA, one of my favorite leagues, especially when it comes to basketball, has been all around very much inclusive in everything that they're doing. And I love the way that they highlight some of their star players. But the Olympic Committee doesn't seem to be sharing a lot of the WNBA's uh, feelings towards one of their star players. Neko Ugumake, one of the key players, an all-star, an MVP, and was never, ever selected to the Olympic team. Yes, you did play for Team USA, as you clearly remember, during the FIBA, uh, during the FIBA World Cup. But you never played for the Olympic team. Now, with this recent, with the recent, uh, with with the recent, um, uh, putting together of the new Olympic team, everybody was thinking to themselves, "Yes, she's been dedicated. She has not missed one. She has not missed one USA team camp. She has uh, uh, been out there with everyone, did everything that she could, but she still didn't make the team." Now, the reason why they say that she didn't make the team was due to an injury that she had uh, suffered at the beginning of this year, but her timeline for that injury to get back was four to six weeks. That would have put her coming back into play just before their first game on July, 20, July 27th. Unfortunately, it did not fall into the time frame, so Neko was not picked. Now, to me, I find it to be appalling. A former All-Star, former MVP, a uh, uh, WNBA champion never ever played on the Olympic team. Not not taking away anything from anybody who's on that team because we do have a lot of uh, a, a lot of the key names of the sport of the WNBA on a whole on that team. But when you stop and you look how much uh, NECA has given towards the game of basketball for women, how much she has given towards Team USA and how dedicated that she has been, that she's a six-time All-Star, that, that, she's, that she is an MVP, that she was a, a, a WNBA champion, and none of those are weighing into the factor, or all of those are being outweighed by the fact that her injury timeline might fall after the first game. Now, it, normally in the media, we tend to, you know, try and, Keep our opinions underlining so this way you can formulate what our opinion is after you listen to our show a couple times. But no, not today. I'm going to go ahead and tell you exactly what my opinion is. I think that this is absolutely, this is foolish. This is the stupidest thing that I've ever seen. How could you not have her on there? Even if you feel that she is injured and she might not be back by uh, the opening game, so be it. So be it. If you miss one game, Neka gives so much to the court, so much to her team, and she makes people around her so, like, it's a quality that she makes people around. It's, they, they're going to be better. We know they're going to be better. And the fact that she was snug really puts a light on things. You know, it's like, how could you? You know? And, of course, we know what's going to happen. It's going to be another four years before she gets another opportunity. Not saying that Neka's game is going anywhere in four years. I definitely think her game is only going to improve because she does have that LeBron style of work ethic. But 
Her sister uh, went ahead and took to Twitter to go ahead and speak about it. Teammates, former teammates, and even friends have taken, like, like Candace Parker has actually taken to social media to discuss it. And NECA, on the other hand, had made no mention of it. She don't feel slighted. She doesn't, she's still doing interviews. She's even still helping out with Team USA. And that is the definition of grace. It's a word that she utilizes a lot. I've, I've uh, watched it in certain interviews. I've seen her on Uninterrupted. She speaks about her, how her father used to speak about grace, a certain level of grace. She embodies that, especially in the way that she has taken this Olympic snub. So I'm not going to go ahead and display any lack of grace and say anything wrong about the Olympic Committee. But I will say this. On this one, they definitely got it wrong. All right, let's go ahead and jump over to Shaq. The GOAT himself making GOAT moves. Now, we always hear about, especially over the last like uh, year or so with the pandemic, I've heard about Shaq doing a lot of great things for a lot of great people. And it's, it's just Shaq being Shaq. But it doesn't stop there. Yes, I know you heard about the, or saw the video of Shaq going in and helping the gentleman buy a ring for his fiance because he couldn't afford it. And he just said, bam, just was able to help him out. But that's, that wasn't the most goat-like thing that he did. Uh, he, saw a, he, he saw a mother struggling to purchase a laptop for her child that they desperately needed for school. And he stepped in without batting an eye and made that purchase. See, we make a lot of fun about, uh, about Shaq, uh, about who he is on TV as a TV personality, who he, who he was as a player, how, how excited he was. But Shaquille O'Neal gives back to the community in ways that a lot of people don't. If anybody's uh, familiar with South Florida, you would know that Shaq is a Broward, a Broward County Sheriff. So he actually goes back and gives back out to the community. He's not one of those cops that just play basketball with the kids. He's one of those cops that actually know how to play basketball. You know, he, he does these things all the time. He, to him, like he stated, it's nothing to him, but it's the world of difference to someone else. He, say, he states that he just puts himself in their shoes. You know, he's blessed to have it, but he could clearly understand how it would feel if he didn't. Now, I'm not saying for every major athlete and every rich athlete out there to go ahead and buy a laptop for a poor child, but I, what I am saying is empathy goes a long way. And it doesn't matter your financial status, whether you're Shaq or whether you're Delonte West. If you are empathetic for your next man, trust me, you too can make GOAT moves and do something to them for them that will brighten up their day. And it's something as little as just being able to be there to hear somebody out, being there to give advice, or something as great as a laptop. It doesn't matter. Shaq should be your inspiration that you can make those GOAT moves, you know? So definitely, I want to go ahead and say congratulations, Shaq. Keep on doing your great things. Great thing. Now, we're going to go ahead and take a word. This is a word from our coach. This is my favorite segment. All right? And this is the, let me go ahead and break something down. Back in 2018, the Phoenix Suns and the Atlanta Hawks, yes, two teams that's been on 
absolute fire this playoffs. Both finished dead last in their divisions. Now, I know you hear phrases, especially coming out of uh, Philadelphia, where it tells you to trust the process and keep working and this and this. But not a lot of people follow by that. Trey Young and Devin Booker, two people, two athletes that we highlighted in today's show that we really were speaking of, they went to work. They finished dead last in 2018 and went to work. Devin Booker even fought his way to try and get into the playoffs season. In a shortened bubble season, they went to work. That's what it's about. If you want to know the key to success is, 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 is not having a great jump shot, is not having the ability to jump out the gym or run or run a 4-2-40. By the way, go ahead. I, big shout-outs to the uh, NBA Combine. You know, a couple young athletes out there jumping out the rope. But that's not what it is. That's not all it is. What, it, what actually makes you successful is hard work. Coming in every morning, grinding, doing the things that nobody wants to do, doing the things that none of the fans get to see, being in, a, being the, op, in the correct opportunity to seize the moment. I used to have a coach to tell me something. When opportunity knocks, you cannot get prepared. You have to be prepared. So, when we look at it, opportunity is like that guy coming to pick you up for work. You, you can wait till the horn blows outside and be like, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, we got a couple minutes, and start getting ready and start to shuffle around. And you forget things, you lose things, and not prepare for that opportunity. And truthfully, most times it will pass you by. It will be gone before you ever you know, be ready for it. But if you are ready, if you train every day, if you are diligent every day in your training and you are committed to your success, when the opportunity presents itself for you to be successful, you will be ready for it. So I tell you, I tell each and every person, work at your craft every day. Put in the work, dribble the ball, shoot the ball, do the thing that nobody else wants to do. If you, if, you, if you live in a desert area out west, go outside, get some shots up. I know it's hot out there, get some shots up. If you live back east, over in, in the New York or the D.C. area or in, or in the south in Florida, I know it's hot, go outside, get some shots up. Everybody's working. Everybody wants a scholarship. But what's going to divide you from the next person is your willingness to keep pushing. Hard work. See, hard work beats talent. The talent doesn't work hard. It's a very common statement. But now we must be able to react to it. We're seeing the fruits of Devin Booker's labor. We're seeing the fruits of Trey Young's labor putting in those hours day in and day out in the gym. But everybody has left and gone home and spent time with their family. They're still working. When Chris Paul got to when Chris Paul got to Phoenix, he didn't go there to rest. He went there day one and started working with Devin Booker. And you can see it now. Trey Young don't take off season. You can see it now. And that's what it's all about. Hard work brings success. 
And I want to thank everybody for uh, hanging with me right here on Ball Court. Another great episode, and I do appreciate you all. But I definitely also want you to go ahead and tune in to Let's Kick It, my other podcast. We talk about sneakers, we talk about fashion, and we bring them all to you right here on CWN Sports. Go to CWNSports.com. Check out all of our great shows like the Sean Harvey Morning Show. If you're not waking up to the Sean Harvey Morning Show, what are you waking up to? A cup of coffee is not going to do it. Watch Sean. Watch Sandy. Uh, hang out with Barbie Cologne. Get some jokes in you. Smile. Have a great time. And enjoy your day. Have a positive day. You know? And definitely go ahead and check out CWN Sports. A matter of fact, bookmark it. Save it to your favorites. That way you can access us quickly. Anywhere you get your podcast, you've got to go ahead and check me out. Make sure you got me downloaded so you get those notifications on. Because when you hear the ding, that means that boy did his thing. I want to take a quick break to give a quick shout out to um, our sponsor. Let's go ahead. This is cashtocheckin.com. Check them out. Cash to Checking is one of the nation's leading finance companies, providing up to $400,000 in unsecured funding for business or personal use. We have relationships with over 250 lenders nationwide. Through the use of our proprietary software, we are able to secure over 80% more funding for our clients. We help clients obtain funding for real estate investment, business startups, down payment assistance, working capital, medical, legal, education, funeral expenses, and more. And that was cashandcheckit.com. When you're tired of living the dreams of your boss and you're ready to live the dreams of your own and you're ready to push forward, call up cashandcheckit.com. Tell them Coach Drew sent you, all right? So I will see y'all next week. I want to thank you. Thank you, CWN, for getting me on here and having me talk and just communicate with the people. And I want to thank each and every one of you for listening. Don't forget, download, 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 tune in, set those notifications. I will see you next time on the World of Basketball. This has been Ball Court, and I have been Coach Drew.